Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. Well, we know that a lot of the great quarterbacks in the NFL right now are in the AFC. I mean, Bump, if I were to say who are the top three quarterbacks right now in the NFL, maybe you get an NFC one mixed in there, but just off the top of your head, you are allowed to change at a later date. Who immediately comes to mind as one, two, three? Mr. Mahomes. Yes. Mr. Burrow. Sure. Joshua Allen. Absolutely. Positively. A hundred percent. Hella extremely. <laughs> Hella extremely. Now, uh... I don't know how many guys, you know, uh, we go through on that list before we get to the NFC, but let's go ahead and jump ahead to the NFC. You are wondering, and I think it's a great question, hey, the NFC is so watered down at quarterback, who has the potential to be the next guy? There are six NFC teams, you pointed this out, six NFC teams with a top 15 pick in the draft. What do you think about the next guy? The next guy, I think, one, we have to crown who the guy is in the NFC right now. Tom Brady is out this thing. you got to go with Jalen Hurts. MVP candidate, Agreed. not going to get it. I think they only lost one or two games with him in the lineup. No doubt about it that this is Jalen Hurts' conference. Now, just like we got to see Geno do it again, I got to see Jalen Hurts do it again as well. We'll see. He might even win a Super Bowl. We, mm-hmm. we don't know. All right, don't count them Eagles out. That defense is amazing. But then after that, I go, all right, who's next? And these are the, the names that people know and love in this conference. You look at Dak Prescott. He had a down year. You look at Matthew Stafford, he's banged up. You look at Kyler Murray. You look at Kirk Cousins. And then you have to throw in Jared Goff, the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl of Jared Goff, I must mm-hmm. say. Doesn't matter how he got there. He got there. Get him his roses. Like, not like a full, like, roses that you get at, like, the Kentucky Derby or get whatever. One, but just, like, just one, one or rose? two roses. You know okay. what I mean? Not the final rose. But, yeah. like, Jared Goff had a solid year. And right. if the Detroit Lions had a be- better record, there are so many players on that team that would have gotten the recognition they deserve. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, all right, it's, it's watered down. Who's going to be the next guy to ascend to the top? Now, if we're not talking about Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, I think the most physically talented, not the best quarterback, the most physically talented, I look over Arizona and say it's Kyler Murray. Now, there's a lot of things that go on with Kyler Murray, his leadership, relationship with coaches, but there's no denying that man can throw the football a mile. He can also run and extend plays with his feet. So I look at the NFC West and I go, the Hawks have a good chance to push themselves into the conversation of having one of the better quarterbacks in this conference. And there's no denying Geno Smith is one of the better quarterbacks in this conference. He made the Pro Bowl this year. Him and Jared Goff are so comparable to me, though. I look at them and I'm like, man, similar game, similar style, similar numbers. I think Goff threw 29 touchdowns, Geno threw 30. Goff Mm -hmm. threw, what, seven interceptions to carry the football a bit more. But it's, it's the wild, wild west in the NFC, man. It is wide open. The only thing we know to be true is that Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. So now we look at the draft and say, all right, who's going to draft a quarterback? You got, I said, what, six in the top 15? You have Arizona. You have the Falcons. You have, well, so let me look at the, our sheet right here. Let me look at the sheet real quick. We got the Falcons. We have the Cardinals. We have the Seahawks. We have Green Bay. Which one of these guys are going to make a move? And then it's a lot, a lot has to do with what happens with Aaron Rodgers in Green yes. Bay as well. So I, I didn't mean to exclude Aaron Rodgers. We just don't know what, what's going to happen with this dude. Well, and we're also assuming that if he's traded, traded it's to the AFC. A it's team, to the AFC. Like potentially um, the Raiders or 
Oh, God. Miami, possibly? Miami. Uh, the Titans. Like, I have the no Jets. idea. The Jets. Oh, man. Yeah, the Jets are probably the front runner there. I don't know how I completely overlooked in this moment Hackett being brought in as yeah. OC. So, um, so the assumption is also loosely that Aaron Rodgers is maybe not in the NFC. If yeah. he is, he's obviously part of the conversation, most especially if Green Bay decides to go out and get more targets. Yeah. If, um, if Aaron Rodgers stays, it's him and Jalen Hurts' top dogs in, yes. in this conference. Yeah. But we point this out just to say the Seahawks could make a push at this sooner than expected. Next year, I'm not expecting them to go to the conference championship. I'm just not. I I I think a realistic expectation is for them to push for the division, get into the playoffs, and maybe win a game in wild card weekend. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at the quarterback situation, and I go, all right, if you add to this defense, you make this defense better. Geno Smith is good enough right now to help this team make a push. Who's in it? This guy made a Pro Bowl last year. Made a Pro. Excuse me. They should made a Pro Bowl over a lot of these quarterbacks. So I don't think they're as far off as a lot of people think they are. And I think because of how the NFC is uh, made up right now, the Seahawks got a chance. Now, if the Seahawks were in the AFC, I'd be like, Nah, no way, no, no way. Got a lot, not. lots of work to do. Go Move get on. yourself a quarterback. Let's go. And people are concerned about the Seahawks making it to the Super Bowl. The question I hear all the time is, is Geno Smith good enough to push them to the Super Bowl? In this conference, he might be. That's actually a real. That's the. One of the most important pieces of context and information around the Geno conversation is, does your answer change depending on if the Seahawks are in the AFC or NFC? And for you, it's yeah, yes. yes. Absolutely. It does. Who's in the AFC? Goodness gracious. Josh Allen, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Pat Mahomes. Can't sleep on Russell. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Justin Herbert. It is tough to get through there. Now, in the NFC, if you get a good defense and a decent quarterback play, you can legit make a run. The Dallas Cowboys are going to disappoint you every single year. I've done it for 30 years. All right? Jalen Hurts, I think they're the front runners. These are the guys who are going to make the most noise. Other than that, the Detroit Lions need to find a defense, one of the worst defenses in the league. Mm-hmm, same I think, Seattle. I think they're in the same boat. Like The Detroit Lions and the, and the Seahawks really are similar. looking at each other. They're that Spider-Man meme point at pointing each other. Pointing at each other. Right? <laughs> like, who's who? So that's why I feel like Geno is good enough right now to keep these guys competitive because the NFC is nothing like the AFC. Well, and the thing is, in Detroit, they're having a very similar conversation that we're having. Now, Goff, uh, they don't have to make – is he a free agent? I think he's got more time on his – He is. Goff is a free agent. So they've got kind of the similar conversation where they're like, hey, you have to improve the defense, but could your team have been good enough with Goff to go further if your defense was better? It's the exact same conversation we're having in Seattle. Neither people in Detroit nor Seattle think that Geno or Jared Goff is Patrick Mahomes, think that either quarterback is Joe Burrow think that either quarterback is the long-term answer for their team like I have not met a person who thinks that yet but I do know plenty of people who think if the defense was better both teams could have gotten further yeah it's all about the defense the problem was not Jared Goff the problem was not Geno Smith it wasn't the problem was letting teams rush for 170 in consecutive weeks the problem is not causing enough turnovers you can get in shootouts and it's always nice to be able to have an offense that's capable of getting in the shootouts but eventually you're going to lose a bunch of those shootouts you you allow mediocre teams to hang around which I feel like the Hawks were slightly above a mediocre team, but mm-hmm. you allow mediocre teams to hang around, they're going to get lucky. Calls, I mean, we're watching the conference championship, and you see how calls affect the game. That's another story. NFL is not rigged, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. These referees make horrible calls. But you allow you allow referees to 
have an impact on the game by keeping teams around, then you're going to lose a bunch of those games. The mm-hmm. NFL is too competitive. This mm-hmm. is not college football where if Bama plays the lower-level team in the Pac-12, they're going to smack them. It's like, nah, the worst team in the league can get you if you let them hang around. Well, and I also, God, I, I don't mean to keep going back to the Geno conversation. I know it feels annoying, but, like, God, if this isn't one of the biggest conversations you can have about football, which is how much can you get from your quarterback? How much can your quarterback impact you? And what is worth it when it comes to a quarterback? Mm-hmm. What are you paying for? What's the return, right? I'm going to use this person as, as an example. 253, I'm not calling you out. I think it's a good conversation. Uh, 253 says, um, look, why not go with, with Drew Locke? He could potentially give you like decent numbers. And I said, well, what are decent numbers? Mm-hmm. How about Jared Goff numbers from the Rams in the first Super Bowl or Daniel Jones from this season? Those are two like not career best for Jared Goff, but like a career best for Daniel Jones. I mean, those are those are numbers that were Daniel Jones not on a rookie deal, he'd be getting more money. Right. And Jared Goff, by the way, already got that money. Like, there's, there is this weird quarterback purgatory you could get in where in order to get contribution, starter-level contribution from someone who is not a rookie, you still have to pay them. Mm-hmm. You do not have to pay them as much as the best quarterbacks, but you do have to pay them. So then how do you win around them? If you find yourself in that situation, well, that's how it is. The Seahawks didn't go out and, and draft a young quarterback to come in here. They didn't go out and trade for a young quarterback. They could take a quarterback at five if they wanted to, or they could trade up if they want to. That can be an option. What's not an option is going into 2023, assuming the offense will be great based on what, like just starting Drew and assuming that that's going to be the case. Maybe maybe Drew will be great. Maybe. Who knows? But like, I just I just think that there's a little bit of a logical fallacy with saying you are not allowed to assume that Gino can have another Pro Bowl season, but you are allowed to assume that Drew Locke can put up Jared Goff and Daniel Jones numbers. Yeah. And I just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And it, and Jared Goff, one, is a veteran quarterback. He's been in the league for a while. He's been to a Super Bowl. The thing that throws people off with Danny Dimes. So you got to remember, this dude rushed for 700 yards and like seven, eight touchdowns. And also, I'd say Quan Barkley in the backfield. He didn't do it just with his arm. Those legs mm-hmm. played a huge role in his success. Not a knock on him, just reality. Drew Locke is not rushing for 700 yards. He's, he's not doing it. So the comparison to him and Danny Dimes, I understand where you're going with that. But I think what makes... Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is a fact that he could run the football effectively. Just a different type of quarterback. I don't see Drew Locke coming in and being able to run the football. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't want to waste two receivers. Thank you. You have DK and you have Lockett. And they are two of the highest paid players on your team. Highest paid, went for over a thousand yards apiece. You don't want to waste that. And Gino understands DK and Lockett. And I think what people don't really focus on as well is the relationship with the quarterback and the receiver. There's a chemistry there. There's an understanding. They got to be on the right page. Like you have, you built up so much chemistry over the past year between Geno, DK and Lockett is it's, this is a big part of your offense. Do you want to roll the dice with that? The one thing that could still be efficient. I feel like if Geno were not at the quarterback is the run game. I feel like, Ken Walker's still going to be able to run it. Mm -hmm. Ken Walker's still going to be able to to read off of these blocks. His offensive line was decent this year. Um, But when you want to get into the middle of the season and teams start to figure it out, 
you got to be able to throw the rock to your weapons who you're paying a lot for. I just trust Gino to take care of those guys on the outside. Do you? Oh, my God. This is such a random. I'm sorry, you guys, if this goes nowhere. It's just a thought that I'm having right now. Do you think that if some of the same quarterbacks who won a million uh, or were in Super Bowls a million times, obviously Brady dominating all of them, but we've we've now seen Mahomes there a couple times and we saw Ben Roethlisberger there a couple times. Um Let's see. The NFC has had less repeat representatives. Well, but like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Okay, so so if you go through the Super Bowl and you look at guys who are repeat appearances, either on a losing or winning team, I feel like it has shifted the conversation that we are having about which quarterbacks can win you a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I think that you need – history will tell you that more often than not, the trend is that an elite quarterback, like a top three passer in the league, is correlated with winning a Super Bowl. Not all the time. It's just a trend. But I think that also warps the conversations we can have about the kind of team you can put together that can win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I I don't know if that makes sense. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, if we're all going to sit here and say, can Gino win you a Super Bowl? I don't know. I mean, my gut says no. And that, and, and that's, is that fair to Gino? I don't know, but it's heavily influenced by the same, like five quarterbacks that have shown up in the Super Bowl for the last 20 years. Yeah. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. You put a team together, you line up every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, sometimes Saturdays, because you want, you want, you're competing to win a Super Bowl. And I think it's fair for people to say, look, Super Bowl or bust. This is what we want. Of course. But I also think it's fair for people to understand that there are necessary steps you have to take to win a Super Bowl. Your team has to be constructed a certain way, and you need certain pieces to be reliable every single week, one of those pieces being the quarterback. So the goal is to go out and try to win as many games as possible, and you want to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. But there's a process to things. Teams don't become great overnight. The Bengals did not become great overnight. The Bills did not become great overnight. Kansas City did not become great overnight. When I was growing up, man, Buffaloes were garbage. When I was growing up, the Bengals, the yeah, Bengals, oh, I just like watching Chad uh, Ochocinco and Husmanjada do their thing. The Chiefs growing up, they're okay. Priest Holmes has some good years over there. But this has been a decade in the making. And I'm not saying the Seahawks are going to have to wait a decade. I no, think I hope not. I, I, think, I would like a Super Bowl. <laughs> I think because of Geno Smith, the weapons on offense, and the potential of these young guys on the defense and these draft picks, that they've cut that in half. And they're on their way. So let's remain competitive in the meantime and continue to build. But, um, yeah, man, I feel like this is, a, this is a touchy subject right here. Because I don't think people understand how tough it is to win in this league and how close the Seahawks really are to being extremely competitive. Not necessarily Super Bowl, but extremely competitive. I feel like that's what I'm seeing a lot of, too, is the idea that, like, well, Geno can't get you to a Super Bowl. Okay, are you confident that Drew Locke can? Like, what has Drew Locke done? I don't want to dog Drew Locke. I remember specifically saying on our airwaves that Drew was more fun to watch in the preseason. Mm Mm-hmm. And that it was a shame uh, that he was sidelined with COVID and didn't get a chance to start that third preseason game and prove what he could do. And I was not like altogether impressed with Gino and that Gino completely changed my mind on him over the course of the season. I just don't. If Caleb Williams was in this draft and could fall to five, bye, Gino. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, I'm just saying, like, this is also heavily influenced by who I personally like in the draft. And not only that, but where I think this defense is and where I think the help is needed and how I think they can find that. Like, I think they can better find that in the draft 
than they can by going out and spending a ton of money on two 34-year-old free agent defensive linemen. Man, the Hawks are close. I think they're closer than people they're give them credit They're closer than for. What, what people think. And my, my goal is to, to remain close and get closer off of what I've seen last year. Build off of last year. It's almost like you want to set the reset button kind of by letting Geno go and bringing Drew Locke in. Like I said, he could do it. Who knows? But I think with Geno, they're closer right now. That's what I'm saying. Like, what does this team look like if your defense is better? Like, for real. Two more go back wins, and look at, at least. Go back and look at the offensive stats, okay? Like, the win-loss record doesn't match up with the productivity that the offense had through a good chunk of the season. I feel like people try to warp it like, oh, it's, it's like the first five games and then Geno fell off. No. Like, this offense was really solid until they started falling apart on the interior of the offensive line and and having Ken Walker hurt and having essentially no run game for, like, four games in a row. Mm-hmm. So, it's a fascinating conversation. There's no definitive right answer. It is. No one knows. I love it. No one knows what 2023 is going to look like, but I can't stop talking about it. Like this it. hour of Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Let's shift gears and uh, talk about some other NFL teams here with Four Down Territory. This is Four Down Territory, going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down bump. There is still more than a week before the Super Bowl. I don't need to remind you guys. You already know that. You haven't even gotten your snacks yet. But the Chiefs (laughs) are banged up. How would this affect the Chiefs' offensive game plan if Wednesday's injury report, yesterday's injury report, stays true? Tell us what we need to know. You know who didn't practice. Oh, no, I don't. It better not be Travis Kelsey. Juju on that beat. Okay. Juju oh, on that beat. Good. That's old. That's some, that's some, that's some old man wow, stuff right you really there. just it's like aged. 20 Juju just on that beat. Because man, I laughed, dry, dry. you aged both of us. It's all good. 30, it's not all good. 37 is beautiful. 30 or uh, 29 for you. Thank you. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Juju's banged up. Tony's banged up. Hartman's banged up. Snead is banged up. Now, there's a lot of time for these guys to get going. But if these guys aren't 100%, you're going to ask Pat Mahomes to have another great performance because he's banged up as well. But at the end of the game, he was throwing the football to Sky Moore. Sky Moore got 40 snaps in the AFC title game, the most snaps he's gotten all year. Now, this guy is a speedster. He stretches the field. I think that'd be okay. And then, obviously, Scatlin had himself a day. Rumor has it that the Chiefs were looking at Odell Beckman to come in negative. They, they bunked. They're like, nah, we're not doing that at chemistry. Uh, we have our guys. We're good to go. But as long as you have Travis Kelsey, I think this passing game should be okay. But it changes things a bit. Tony is that jet sweep guy. We saw him. He scored a jet sweep against, um, oh, I forgot who it was. But anyway, he's a jet sweep guy. You got Coleman, who's the down the field guy, across the middle guy. You got Juju, who's your underneath guy. I'm not saying that this offense is not going to be able to work, but it's going to look different. You're going to re- rely on Sky Moore, a guy who's gotten what? I think before last game, he got 331 total snaps throughout the year. That's not what he does. He's not one of those starters for a reason. Mm-hmm. It will look a bit different as long as Travis Kelsey is good, as long as Pat Mahomes is healthy. I think they will be okay, but you can't ignore what the injury report looks like right now. Again, early, these guys are probably going to be fine, but just like we had to wait and see if Pat Mahomes is going to be healthy on the ankle, you got to see what these guys are going to look like. Second down. The 49ers said they would be in favor of a third QB rule. Uh, do you feel that this would be a good move? In the playoffs, I think the they playoffs. should be allowed to have a third QB. So essentially saying you got 47 guys in uniform instead of 46. This was the rule from 1991 to 2011, and then they switched it up. But I think you want you want your team to have 
the greatest competitive advantage they can. Now, I'm not saying if you ha- if the Niners had another quarterback, they're going to go on and beat Philly. No, I'm just saying if you have another quarterback, at least you're running an offense. During the regular season, I think you stick with your 46. You got to make a move there. But during the playoffs, I think you want to make sure that each team is competitive as possible. I'm, I'm down for the third quarterback. Third down. I like this question because I'm curious to see if Seattle makes it. What are the top three wide receiver duos in the NFL? All right, so I'm going to give you four, then I'll tell you who my top three are. Okay. We got Miami. You got Tyreek Hill, 1,700 yards, seven touchdowns. You got Waddle, 1,309 touchdowns. Then I think you got... Cincinnati over there, Jamar Chase, 1,009. T. Higgins, 1,009. You got the Bills, Stephon Diggs, 1,411. Gabe Davis, 836 and 7. And then you have the Seahawks. You got 1,000 by DK, 1,000 by Lock. You got 15 touchdowns in between those two. If I had to rank the top duels in the league, I'm going number one, Miami. I think there's no doubt about that. Imagine if they had a quarterback who can really push it down the field. I think you go Cincinnati at number two, Jamar Chase and Higgins, great combination. These guys can go up and get the football. And now it's between Seattle and the Bills. Stephon Diggs is the best receiver out of these four. DK Lockett, Davis, and Diggs. Stephon Diggs is the best. But because I will take Lockett over Gabe Davis, even though he had a great title game or or divisional game last year when he scored like four touchdowns, something crazy like that, I got to go with Seattle. And because Seattle is the number three receiving core or duo in the NFL, guess what? Make sure you got a quarterback to throw him the football. That's what all these guys have. Minus Miami, they have an efficient quarterback at times, but he fell off towards the end. We'll see what happens there. But the Bills have Allen. Cincinnati has Burrow. Seattle needs to make sure that they are 100% secure with their decision at quarterback because you don't want these two to go to waste. I am bringing up a list for the uh, fourth down here because I'm very excited to talk about some of these. So without further ado, fourth down. Pro Bowl event are you most looking forward to? One, I'm disappointed, man. What? I was under the impression that longest drive was going to be in there for golf, but it's not. Is it? Yeah. I looked at the wrong list then. Okay, okay. All right, well, if it is. Okay, you go ahead with your answer, and then I got a list (laughs) That's easily number one if it is, but let's go go with number two. All right, here are the events. Typical bump answer. There's a lightning round, okay? There's three random events. There's a splash catch. You catch water balloons. There's a high... High stakes where you're catching punts. <laughs> and then there's a thrill of spill where you're trying to knock a bucket over your buddy's head. This sounds like a Bumpus Family Reunion barbecue. Yeah, but with elite athletes. With elite athletes. I love it. And then you have the precision pass, and we all know what that is, man. That's one of my favorites. You got Trevor Lawrence and that. Huntley, interested to see how he does. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Gino, and Jer- Der- uh, Derek. Jared Goff. I'm leaning towards that because our guy Gino is going to be in there. Then you have the best catch. You got the gridiron gauntlet. You have move the chains where you're pretty much trying to pull a wall or something like that and flag football. So if it's not the longest drive, I got to go with precision passing. I want to see Gino show everybody, like, look, I am accurate. I'm the most accurate quarterback in this league, and I'm going to do it in front of the nation. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so this is the Pro Bowl game skill competitions. They have some of the uh, participants that are going to be in here. Best catch is uh, from the NFC, Amon Ross St. Brown and Justin Jefferson are going to be participating. Also from the AFC, you've got Diggs and Sertan from the Broncos is going to be in there. Uh, Precision passing. uh, I really wanted Tyler Huntley to be represented, and uh, he will be. He's in the AFC. Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr. God, I hope Tyler Huntley wins. Uh, Kurt Cousins, Geno Smith, Jared Goff going to be representing the NFC longest drive. You got a ton of people in here. Um, I'm I'm really excited. Like I I think it is so funny to have like the fact that they have dodgeball, and on the dodgeball team, 
like Miles Garrett, Sauce Gardner, Micah Parsons, Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> George Kittle, Saquon Barkley, Jamar Chase. Like, imagine a dodgeball team made up of the very best players in football. That's exactly what's happening. And I'm so excited for it. I can't, I can't, I can't deal. This is what the Pro Bowl always should have been. All right, we are heading to the timeline. The University of Iowa canceled a ticket order of 200 because some people were trying to scam them with a very bold approach. I can't believe they did this. Uh, Also, uh, coming up, we've got um, someone who's uh, talking smack, making it clear he's not a fan of Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. Surprising, surprising source here. That's next. This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacey. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. It is the timeline on Bump and Stacy reading you the top stories you're going to see, or in this case here on your own timeline. A reminder for you guys, we got some really exciting guests join us later in the show, starting with ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson. He'll be on in 15 minutes. Max Kellerman also going to join us right now, though. We are talking football. Giant safety Julian Love went on Good Morning Football today and made it known he is not a fan of Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. You know, he's a guy who really is doing a great job because he's not getting his in the way of his team. He has an experienced roster uh, from top to bottom, offense, defense. You see this stuff, though? Like, what's your reaction as a player? And that guy's doing that. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it at all. I mean, he's... He's in for a free ride right now. You guys can coach this team and they can succeed. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Sound like a hater. <laughs> Sounds like a hater. And yes, he has a great roster. You have a MVP type quarterback. You got two good receivers. You got a run game. You got a defense that gets after the quarterback. Of course, his job is to not get in the way. His job is to allow his teammates to flourish. He's doing his job at this point. What if he had this group and they were not winning ball games? What would you say about him then? Uh, Julian Love, you were in the league, played longer than I ever played, but you sound like a hater right now. He, he does. Is, is it his fault he got this roster? No, it's the GM. Blame the GM. Yeah. And it's his job not to get in the way and let the players play. He's doing exactly what he needs to do. Stop the hate. You're salty about a divisional rival is what it is. Facts. Like, I don't hear anyone coming out talking about, like, oh, Kyle Shanahan has a great roster. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's a brilliant head coach. That's also part of it. Nick mm-hmm. Sirianni. There are parts of coaching that we don't see. Like Nick Sirianni gets these guys to believe. He gets these guys fired up. He right. fits with that Philly culture. Like he makes sense as an Eagles head coach. There is a lot of people that try to do that, and it comes across as disingenuous. Have you ever had a head coach where it was like, bro, you're trying too hard. This isn't working for you. You're taking the wrong approach. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to name him. No, of course. I'm going to put him out there like that. But most definitely, sometimes your job as a head coach is to let your coaches coach and you delegate and do checks and balances. Make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. Make sure that... You're performing at a high level. Motivate these guys. I'm not exactly sure what Sirianni's role is when it comes to the motivation and and keeping guys in line. But you got a roster? Heck yeah, you stay out the way. Mm -hmm. You let Jalen go. You let these these D linemen get after the quarterback. It makes your job easier. It's not his fault. Great roster. Good job, Sirianni. Next up in the timeline, a uh, Illinois fan group named the Orange Crush tried to call out the Iowa Hawkeyes for pulling its group tickets for Saturday's game. How dare you, Iowa? Only it turns out that this fan group, Orange Crush, only got those tickets, 200 of them, because they lied about being a boys and girls club in order to purchase them at a discounted price. So 
turns out you guys are in the wrong. Iowa released a statement here saying, hey, we pulled those tickets uh, because it became clear they were not actually the uh, Boys and Girls Organization. Uh, When contacting the individual who made the original ticket order, they admitted to falsely ordering tickets under the nonprofit org. So Iowa Athletics refunded the original ticket order and then donated the tickets to the Boys and Girls Club of Cedar Rapids. I'm sorry. If you want to go get your tickets, your little student tickets or whatever tickets, and go to a game, uh, a road game for you, so you're at an opponent's uh, home arena, and jeer and take up a bunch of space, fine. To pretend to order them as a boys and girls club so that you can get a discounted rate and you can get more, that's shady. Like, shame on you. I don't feel bad for you for getting your tickets pulled, especially not when you try to call out Iowa for doing it. And then you complain because you got caught. And then you caught. complain. You got You caught. complain. Come on, man. Boys and girls clubs do oh. great things in the community. Don't use what they've done and the reputation they build to get you some cheaper tickets. Just go buy the ticket. If you can't afford it, then save up and you'll go to the next one. It's just so shady that shady. the Orange Crush initially posted something saying, like, hey, we attend one road game per year going back to 2002. How dare Iowa pull these? Blah, blah, blah. Like saying it's so horrible. You guys love something out. <laughs> <laughs> they probably got tipped off by other schools, right? Like, hey, these guys have come into our arena in the past under the guise of another group. Mm-hmm. So be on al- be on alert for maybe a large ticket order mm-hmm. uh, coming in in the next few days. And then, obviously, they sniffed it out. I'm just saying, pretending to be the Boys and Girls Club is kind of gross. Yes, it that is. is like, low. pretending to be a charity, especially a charity that's supposed to help kids. Like, you can say what you want about, like, oh, we were trying to purchase a group order. Then, then do that. And if you can't get <laughs> enough tickets, oh, well. But you pretended to be a charity. And props to Iowa for donating the tickets. Yeah. Now, and- if they... Prayed themselves around as like a maybe a less wholesome group. Like, I don't yeah. know. What's a group that everybody hates? Um, I don't know. I guess Red Sox fans. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Red Sox fans were like, yeah, let's purchase all these tickets, they probably not might not have gotten sniffed out. Yeah. But unfortunately. And you get group discounts anyway. You might get a little knocked off right? the top of that. You don't need to be shady. <laughs> oh, well. Moving on, following Tom Brady's retirement announcement, there are now no active athletes who were drafted by the Montreal Expos. End of an era. R.I.P. Brady was drafted by the Expos? Oh, yeah. That's how old he is. Round. Dang. I know. Goodness gracious. Multi-sports. Uh, yeah, exactly. They last played in the 2003 season. Wow, it's been that long. He was drafted, I believe, in 95 out of high school. Which, he was class of like 95 in high school. That's insane. I was four years old. Okay, we get it, Curtis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest of the, of the show. I was 10. Proud. 10 out there. I was in between that age. Running recess. About it. Running recess. Handball? What you want to do? Four square? I got you. Were you a bully in elementary no. school? No. Could you picture me being a bully? Mm-hmm. I'd whoop that button sports for sure. But no, I not... actually can't picture you being a bully. Oh, to be no. fair, I can't picture Curtis being a bully. No. No. Yeah. I can picture Stacy being a bully. I, can I was not you a bully. A I was not a bully. Yeah. No, I, I was not a mean girl. Mean I was girl. not a bully, nor was yeah. I a mean girl. I was a nice I was a nice <laughs> child who was nice to everyone and friendly to everyone. I liked animals. I liked being outside. I liked drawing. I was a dream child. sounds good i won't hear any of it uh all right um we've got a lot coming your guys's way let me tell you what's still in store 
First, uh, ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson is going to join us. We've got another part of his show, Max Kellerman. You guys know these names. Max Kellerman is going to join us at once. we got both guys coming up. Hype train. We're going to have the hottest takes, a hot trend, a prediction, whatever, in the world of sports this week. That's coming up later in the show. Of course, what I need to know. It's all coming your way. Taking a look around the NFL. Bill Barnwell has his list of the most desirable landing spots for quarterbacks in 2023. So for everyone who's been like, well, who would be in the competition for a free agent quarterback? Well, we're about to tell you who's going to be in the competition coming up at noon. But before we get to any of that, Keyshawn Johnson joins us next. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. I got a minute or two b- to burn before we bring on ESPN's Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, can I do a non-sports thing really quick? I know normally this is annoying, but here's the deal. We are about to enter into a weekend slash week where we still have some fun sports stuff happening, but obviously it's the week before the Super Bowl. So there's going to be some people looking at how they can burn time and spend some of their weekend. And I have TV show recommendations. I oh, thought yeah? we could turn it into a community show movie recommendation. What you got? Okay. So we've got like a minute here. I've got uh, uh, Last of Us on HBO. Mm-hmm. I'm very into right now. And then I also started this show called Blackbird on Apple TV. Highly recommend both. They're dark, not necessarily family shows, particularly the latter, Blackbird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, some people, what do you got? I got Black Summer. On some, I I typically don't like zombie type stuff, but the wife and I were on the couch. You know, when you take like fifteen minutes to figure out what you want to watch. Yeah, like, and then you watch the same thing that you've already watched. Yeah, we just we just ended a series, but uh, Black Summer on some zombies type stuff is actually it's actually pretty good. Zombies very in right now, so hot right now. Just like when vampires were in, remember the vampire craze? Oh man, Vampire Diaries. I won't admit whether or not I watch that. Uh, <laughs> recommendations from the Mac and Jack's text line are Poker Face. I've seen so many ads for that, by the way. Um, Curtis, before you get the phone, I know you have to keep an eye on it. Do you want to shout your recommendation into your... Well, life? there's two things debuting on Sunday on ESPN that I'm really You are great at finding for. sports documentaries, let uh, me just say. And that's exactly what we're, we're talking about here. Much better E60 for this crowd. E60 on Sunday morning is doing a... a Long form one on the 72 Dolphins. And then at night, I believe at 530, is the newest 30 for 30, the Bullies of Baltimore, which is about the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Those are two really good ones. Those are perfect pre-Super Bowl uh, documentaries. 72 Dolphins. uh, And and the 2000 Ravens. Yep, yep, yep. I'm interested to see how they talk about particularly the, the Ravens team. That Ravens team is so good. Man. Have you ever gone back to look at like pro football reference at the stats and realized like just any one of those guys would have been one of the better players on any other defense? That defense was like my introduction to great defenses. You know what I mean? You got Ray, got Sam, you got Ed Reed. Yeah, that defense and uh, the Miami Miami team was ridiculous as well. Mm-hmm. Boy, 2000, I think it was, 2099 Miami yeah. team with Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, all those dudes. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy to go back and just see how football has changed, like the way it's played. The hits that you see back mm-hmm. then. You can't do it. Cats would be thrown in jail <laughs> for making Dude, those plays now. You would, I wonder, like, would the same teams, they probably would have gotten to the Super Bowl, particularly Baltimore is who I'm thinking of, but, like, you just can't play defense that way. Like, no. do you know how many penalties and fines Cam Chancellor would have gotten? For what were at the time legal hits, they Uh were just like body blows. Boom, looks too violent. Throw the flag. Oh, God, it was such good football. When I was in high school, 
you know, the blindside hits, mm-hmm. man, we would we would be seeking those things. Man. You better keep your head on. So my first real actual like playing time in college was against University of Colorado. And our quarterback, Alex, bring through an interception. And I'm running about to make a play on the ball. Then all of a sudden I wake up looking at the ground or looking at the no. sky. Because somebody just lit me up. And they, they slowed it down in film. They're like, welcome to college football, buff. I'm like, yeah. He didn't get flagged for it. He didn't oh, get no, flagged. Oh, no, that was legal. For, it's legal. That was legal. Different game. Would he get flagged for it now? Oh, he'd be thrown out the game. Exactly. Ejected. Um, recommendations from other listeners are... The Japanese version of Squid Games on Netflix. Did you ever watch Squid Games? I did. Oh, God, it was so good. Is it bad that I allowed my kids to watch it, too? No, I don't think so. I mean, I your kids are just old enough where it's like you kind of provide, like, you, you can answer some questions. context, like, hey, this is what's happening here. I'm not going to tell anyone how to parent. If you want your kids to watch any of these shows, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine, too. Um, but, yeah, also, if you guys want more... Um, sports documentary recommendations for this weekend while you're kind of waiting out time before the Super Bowl at a kid from Kent it's like all Curtis watches is Survivor and sports documentaries Curtis I think that that's fair I think that's a fair well yeah Survivor is like the fifth professional sport exactly (laughs) yeah it's I mean it's really really intense I just have to say you guys got me on Survivor I watched I went back and watched did you actually do it two seasons of it Survivor the whole like you got into it yeah I got into it it is one of those shows that sucks you in and I have no idea how it does it but it does every single year i watch it and anytime you talk about it people are like you still watch survivor who still watches survivor try not to there's a reason why it's what 40 some seasons yeah it's addictive it's uh less than a month out from the next season survivor 44 march 1st great time to get in by the way 44 seasons in Oh, yeah. Yes. This is, it's always this is a great time started. to get in. It's always just classic. This is a, also a great time to get in. I know. I know. Um, well, let's uh, talk a little bit then. Let's just jump back to some of our conversations uh, while we see if we can get Keyshawn. We may have to grab him when we come back here. Um, but uh, let's jump back to some of the conversations we were having earlier then about how you build a Super Bowl team. Because I'm interested to see what Keyshawn thinks. It's a, it's a conversation that has no easy solution. But speaking of those two Super Bowl teams, Curtis... That is one way to do it, right? Actually, those are two different ways to do it. But in the case of Baltimore, uh, in the case of certainly the 2013 squad uh, that we saw here in Seattle, you had this elite, amazing defense. And you could afford so many mistakes on offense. Important to note, though, uh, especially with 2013, I feel like we romanticize it and forget how good the offense was, too. Yeah, the they offense. Had the fourth ranked, I think fourth-ranked rushing offense, they, I want to say. They were potent. And here, here's a question. Is the way you build a championship team now different now than then because of the way that the game is played? We're just talking about how defense used to be able to go out there and light you up, where nowadays um, you can't do that. And offenses have the advantage when it comes to playing the game. As long as I could remember growing up, it was all about the defense. Yes, you needed to, to score points, obviously put points on the board, but a defense can physically intimidate you. I don't think there's a defense out there right now mm-hmm. that just intimidates guys, at least on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. On the perimeter, you were able to do what you got to do, but in the box, I think that's where it's always a won and lost in the box, but that's where a defense really, really shines now. How far away, if you were to think feasibly, could you – from where Seattle's defense was this year in one offseason, make it that much be- that much better. There have been, I want to stress, there have been defenses that have gone from worst to first. It is not common. And usually worst to first actually means worst to first in like one category, yeah. right? Like San Francisco was worst to first with passing, but they still had great players. They just needed to figure it out. 
But like, how much better could you feasibly make Seattle's defense? Like, um, where would you make the most impact? I think we've um, we're on the same page with this. I think you got to be around the middle of the pack mm-hmm. when it comes to making this defense better. And I think that's possible. Why? Because we've seen games where they're great against the run. We've seen games where they're great against the pass. They've caused turnovers before. They've caused interceptions. But it's all about doing it consistently. And how do you do that consistently is that you got to control the box. That means you need depth. You need numbers. So I don't think it's – I think it's realistic that you can make this at least a mediocre defense overall, be around 15 to 13 when it comes to all these type of categories. But I think where they're going to shine is against the pass. And that's because of Tariq. That's because of Mike Jackson. See what Trey Brown looks like. Mm-hmm. You got Neil. Um, I wonder what we'll see what they do with Jamal. But no, I think it's realistic, man. Make this just a mediocre defense, and you might win one or two more games this year and put yourself in a better position in the playoffs. All right, two things for you guys. Number one, Keyshawn Johnson getting caught up with a bunch of interviews for ESPN. Uh, we are going to have time to connect with him today. We'll try to reconnect with Keyshawn on another day. We do have his other half, Max Kellerman, and guess what? We already got him. Because we already taped Max Kellerman. <laughs> that I, shouldn't, happening. I shouldn't tell you guys that, but I am because I, I don't want you to think you aren't going to be able to hear from Max Kellerman. We have an interview with him. He has lots <laughs> of good stuff to say about a couple of the biggest stories happening in the NFL this week. Uh, that's coming up later in the 1 p.m. hour. The second thing I got to tell you is we've got a really, really cool conversation via Bill Barnwell, who has his list of the most desirable landing spots for a quarterback in 2023. Seattle is on the list. We'll tell you where they come in next.